0: Time now for the Longhorn Guys Sports Spectacular with Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Kegley. The guys on the air, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley. Glad you're here with us. Uh, joined as well by Tony Cordero, our producer, and the man that work in the audio, Josh Ewing, doing a fantastic job for us teamwork baby it makes the dream work and that's kind of what the horns did last week um as they uh, went into alabama and um look little smackdown let's just be honest about it i mean this is a game that you know we we thought would be close competitive um this was texas's night and and they really came through in flying colors and as a result they vaulted into the top five in the rankings
1: yeah it's well deserved i mean it's a, a big win for texas i think it shows that they're you know, on the mark, I mean, they're, they're on the march to be being better. I, I think that, you know, look at Texas, they have the, the quarterback play. Um, Quinn Ewers is just fantastic. But I think what surprised me is how good they handled Alabama on offensive and defensive lines because that is like the staple of Nick Saban. They control the line of scrimmage on both sides. And when they've lost, if you look when they've lost to Georgia a couple of years ago or when they've lost – it's because you know they've been able to haven't been able to get pressure on the quarterback and, and this is the same type of thing and they've been getting beat by these types of teams. and um yeah, I think you saw that. I think Texas is right there with all those those teams that are the best in the country. and you know their schedule sets up and don't want to look ahead. They got a pretty nice schedule set up too.
2: Yeah, Texas is has been kind of soft over the last few years and they came out and stood toe to toe and out punched a puncher in in nick saban's alabama team on the opposing team's home field i didn't think they were capable I, i'm a huge Ewers fan i i think i've been you know really excited about him beyond a lot of people but I didn't know that their lines would be tough enough to dominate uh, Alabama up front. And i I really think this team now with this schedule has a a real opportunity to make some hay. And if you if they play to the level that they did today, that they could find themselves in that final four, it's going to be interesting because the assumption of Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan may be sorely tested by teams like the Longhorns, like USC, like Florida State. This could be one of the most exciting years of all time and make us wish that they had 12 teams this year.
0: I totally agree with that. Um, you know, and Texas, as you said, one of those that they get the early win to jump up into the top five, uh, and now they get a chance. Um, if you can hold that, like you said, it's a favorable schedule. Once you're there, it's hard to knock you back out. And so they could wind up if they keep winning, you know, third or or second or even first place. Who knows? Uh, by the time you get to December, uh, Texas in the top five uh, in the AP poll for the first time since 2010 and going into Alabama and snapping their 21 game home winning streak. I mean, this is, again, stuff that stuff that doesn't happen every day. Right. In terms of the way they did things um, and first road win against a team ranked in the top three of the AP poll you've got to go all the way back to 1969 and the game of the century against Arkansas. I mean, that's how monumental this game was. Um, and what a great job for Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, coaches and hot seat and all that stuff, uh, a team that last year, eight and five, the record, um, this is a team that we all felt was better than that. Right. Um, and now here they come out with a strong, uh, start here to the, the 2023 season.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you know, you're yeah we aren't talking about Arch Manning, right? I mean, so it's kind of, that means you uh, did something right. I mean, I feel like if, if viewers were struggling or if they were losing you, that's all you talk about. Now you're talking about Texas be, being in the college football playoff. And, and I think it's pretty exciting this for Longhorn fans to see this, um, and have a team that can do this. Now uh, I always look at, you know, the, the long, the long suffering and their, their level of suffering is different than most people, but i yeah. um, <laughs> Matt, Matt Matthew McConaughey, who's I was watching him, he said, we can't drink our own Kool-Aid right now. So, you know, and I think that's true. They have to take care of business, uh, obviously, in, in some of these games. There's nothing easy that comes from this. And even, you know, Wyoming this week is even a tough game. And, you know, before you head to Baylor and so forth. So, and Kansas, who looks pretty good right now, especially offensively. So, and they got a tough schedule, but, I mean, it, they're in a really good spot. And, and you really like this uh, for
2: Texas. Yeah, th- this is an opportunity for Texas to put the pedal down and and not only, you know, have a statement game or two, but they could have a statement season here. You've got you've got the makings of a, a very successful season. Now it's time to execute and boy, they proved that if, if you can execute in in Alabama, if they can maintain that focus, this team is going to be very formidable down the stretch of the season.
0: Yeah, Texas 2-0, and they've, uh, and they've jumped up to number four in the nation and now taking on Wyoming. Uh, this is a home game. The Cowboys coming in 2-0, and and so while the Longhorns are confident, uh, they're also wary. Uh, they don't want to see this as the proverbial trap game as they uh, take on uh, the visitors uh, from Wyoming. Steve Sarkeesian talking about uh, now that you win, how you maintain uh, that edge. Uh, let's listen
3: in. Great challenge, uh, you know, 2-0 and team coming in here confidently. Um, but for us, like we talked about to the team, you know, that that, that one game isn't going to define our season last week. What we do moving forward, um, you know, I think championship teams continue to improve as the season goes on. And we've got goals and aspirations of, of being champions this year. We've got to continue to improve this week. And uh, that was the starting point here this morning. Great. you
0: have a question, we'll get a mic to you. Start with Dennis up front.
3: Coach, along those lines, how, uh, can you share any cool texts or voicemails that you might have gotten? And and with that, yeah, I mean, all the praise is coming for you and the team. Um, what did you learn from Pete Carroll and Nick Saban as far as how to follow a win like that to keep your team locked in? Um, you know, yeah. I mean, naturally, you've if games like that, national televised games, primetime, you know, you get you get all the, the calls and text messages. You know, I always look forward to the ones from – uh, family members, you know, my, obviously my son was with me. So uh, my daughters, you know, sending me pictures of, of he and I on the field after the game, my, my parents, um, you know, and then obviously I've got a lot of people in the profession I respect, but you know, you get a couple of those that you really respect. And so you appreciate when they comment on how we played the game. And um, I got, I tell the team all the time that, you know, that the, the best thing I can that can happen to me after a game is when I get a text from uh, from a colleague in the profession about how the way the way we played, how hard we played. And I think that was kind of a common theme of, of the messages I got. You know, those two guys, Coach Carroll and Coach Saban, they're championship coaches, you know, and, and they've, you know, whether it was a seven-year straight run that that P. Carroll had at us at USC or what Coach Saban's obviously done here at Alabama, the consistency in which their teams played. And it, it wasn't about the opponent. It was about the way they prepared and and the the way they practiced and then ultimately the way they played. Um, and so that's that's the challenge for us, right? That we come right back to work today, prepare really well, practice really well so that we can perform really well Saturday night. Steve, can you talk about your your special assistants now that you're into the season a little bit? You know, Pyam and and uh, Joe D with the game management and how Paul Christ is is helping you. Yeah, you know, I, I think all three of those guys have pretty clearly defined roles in the organization uh, with what pim does defensively. Um, and I think we can feel some of the impact there. He's a great sounding board for PK. Um, you know, we know his background and in, in kind of um, the flex defense. And so incorporating not the flex defense, but there's aspects, right. That, that we can, that we can work with and some of the line stunts up front and, and different things. I think, you know, coach Christ obviously, you know offensively you know he's a he's a great sounding board for us because of you know i know sometimes it might look different but really, schematically, what he did and what we do is very similar. Um, and so, when we're in game plan mode and we're talking about different things, there's there's great ideas there. And, I, and again, I think he's really good in the run game, um, and I think we'll continue to reap the benefits of that. Obviously, Joe D. Camillus, um, you know, special teams guru, and and the support he provides with Coach Banks in preparation is huge. And then, obviously, on game day, um, again, I, I don't know if we've really seen at all of what the clock is doing to us yet. Um, but I think it will show up. We're just trying to be as prepared as we can be. Um, he's a good sounding board for me. You know, I, I think in this day and age, everybody has the book, right? Whatever, whatever the book is. Uh, but in the end, you know, we, we take information and then we make decisions, what we think is in the best interest of the program in the moment. And he's a great sounding board for me because he's been in so many situations throughout his career, um, that, that can, uh, that I can kind of bounce things off of or confirm what I was thinking. And naturally, you know, we've, Went into the season with a mindset that we want to be a little more aggressive than we've been historically, and I think that that's shown up on some of our fourth down attempts now here over the first couple ball games. Um, but again, we we don't want to be uh, irrational with those decisions. And uh, like I said, he's a, he's a good sounding board for me on that stuff. You know, I think one of the mistakes I can make is try to beat them down and 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 then knock the confidence out of them. You know, I've I've spent two and a half years trying to instill confidence into them. And so, uh, I want to be mindful of that, but two, I have to point out areas for us to improve and where we can get better as a team. And I think, you know, ultimately for me being transparent with them, um, all of the time, good, bad, ugly, whatever that is that I've earned their trust, um, that I would never guide them in a direction that, that wouldn't be in their best interest to, to perform at the highest level. And, so even today, when we went in and, and, okay, here's the plan, here's the messaging, here's what we're trying to do this week, um, I felt like they accepted that message, and they accepted it as a challenge, and now they go, need to go put forth the work to, to prepare to go do that. So, um I again, it's a little bit of a slippery slope because, again, you know, when when you're overly confident, sometimes that's when you can skip the details. Well, excellence lies in the details. And so we have to make sure that we continue to press upon that way and and whatever those details are uh, in any phase of the game.
1: Well, Sarkisian's been there, right? I mean, maybe not as as a head coach, but as a a coordinator, he's been in these big games. He's been in these situations that, you know, he kind of remolded himself here under Saban as well. But, I mean, I think – so he gets it. He understands what they have to do, and and I think he's got the right mindset. And they have to go – you know, it seems so cliche to say every week, you know, it's one game at a time, one play at a time, whatever – all those things, but that's the reality. That's what they have to do is just take care of business uh, for week to week.
2: Yeah, and and again, I, I think this is where we'll see where, where Sark gets himself rated as one of the coaches uh, across the country. Is he going to step his game up, get his team motivated, influence them to achieve? That will allow him to step in that realm of one of the, the better coaches in the country. It's it's not an easy thing to do, but he certainly seems like when they come out of the Saban school, they they have all sorts these coaches have all sorts of skills that they didn't possess when they showed up there. <laughs>
0: something about it, right? Except for Jeremy Pruitt, I guess. Uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> about it. Uh, it's there's always there's always an outlier. Uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, Wyoming comes in and here's why they're concerned only three and eleven all time against uh, the Big 12 conference. Um, however, one of those three wins was just a couple of weeks ago when they beat Texas Tech uh, at home 35-33 in double overtime. Uh, Easier win against uh, Portland State last week, but that's why this team is concerned. That's why the Texas Longhorns are concerned because they actually, um, you know, they've gone into uh, uh, taking on a bigger opponent, if you will, um, from a Power 5 conference and uh, and gotten the victory. So, again, trying to make uh, this happen um in this game but again what's the key here do you think i mean obviously Ewers and his play you know we've talked a lot about sanders and hunter from colorado williams last year's heisman winner uh from usc shouldn't quinn Ewers right now with the start he's had be part of that heisman conversation
1: yeah and i think it's going to come down to he's got to keep winning right i mean i think that's the key for him they keep winning he'll be in the conversation his numbers are good they're not at the level of, you know, like what Sanders has thrown up or what Caleb Williams throws up from week to week. And, but I, I, I do think that, uh, you know, if they keep winning and they end up, you know, 11 and one or 12 and 0, or, you know, heading into a Big 12 championship game type thing, then I think he's going to be in the mix. So we'll see.
2: Yeah. He's going to have to to go undefeated or, or, you know, make it to the CFP because I I think Sanders is statistically going to have the type of year that will make him a contender. I don't anticipate, of course, we've all been wrong, but I don't anticipate Colorado's going to face six ranked teams and go undefeated. But, uh, Sanders is, is so talented and we're seeing, it's almost like seeing a the Michael Vick part two, but with more ability to throw the ball. So uh, you better win a, if you're going to win the Heisman. You better win a lot of games because he's going to put up stats that are pretty incredible.
0: One thought on that as well. I think that uh, credit to Deion Sanders. I think he learned from his time at Jackson State this uh, this program that basically is a total retool. Talking about Colorado uh, coming out strong here at the top, and I think he didn't do that at Jackson State. But again. Uh, Dion learning some things. Back to the Horns, though. We'll talk uh, some other headlines. And then a bit later, uh, Roger Wallace joins us, part of the uh, Longhorn Radio Network, an analyst now for many years. We get his thoughts not only on uh, the big moments last week in Tuscaloosa, but also looking ahead to this Wyoming game and beyond. Stay with us, the Longhorns, guys. Sports Spectacular, coming up much more after this.
4: What's the best way to get rid of a timeshare that you don't want? Call the Timeshare Exit Hotline. We're a group of attorneys that help customers legally exit their timeshares. It's an easy process. We guarantee results or you pay nothing. Exit your timeshare today. Call now. 800-715-6093. 715 6093 That's 800-715-6093. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's
0: 877-927-3380. Uh back here on the show. Let's talk a little uh as we continue now with college football. The SEC, fellas, uh two weeks into the season, um, we don't see this very often. The SEC. 3 and 6 versus power 5 opponents in 2023. We were joking in the break. Um usually don't see the SEC play that many teams in the, <laughs> in the first couple of weeks. So uh so there you, there you go.
1: Well yeah, Alabama didn't play Eastern Alabama State, so they had to play <laughs> Texas a little tougher. But no, I I think that it's level of competition. I mean, when you play, you know, Alabama playing Texas, Texas is very good. Um yeah. And I I think Alabama's still trying to feel things through with their new quarterback and so you know that that's probably the the biggest marquee game and then you look at you know Texas A&M playing Miami right I mean th- these are tough games that you come into and so yeah, it's, it's okay I mean th- th- but that's what makes it fun I was just thinking before we before we came on here I was thinking like like what do you do now you get through Monday and then like what is the purpose of Tuesday and Wednesday when there's no football There's no NFL. There's no college. There's nothing. What do we do during those days? I'm just totally lost now. I don't know.
2: Well, Brad, when, when in doubt eat, that's pretty much my, (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty much my theory on everything. Um, you know, I, I think the big winners in the, in the sec having a bad record are the sports fans, uh, college football fans who get to watch the games. I mean, what a fantastic game that was to watch. And I thought both teams acquitted themselves pretty well at the same time. It's so unusual to see a team go in and beat Alabama at home. And the big winner was us as sports fans getting to watch and, inter- and, inter- and inter- you know be entertained by that especially before on the weekend that the NFL started, it was great to have some good games on Saturday.
0: No, I totally agree. Um, That was outstanding. And in fact, um, you know, it was amazing getting into, we saw the TV ratings later on, Colorado, Nebraska, a bigger TV audience than Alabama, Texas. So talk about like, you know, get on your knees and repent. I mean, really? Are you kidding me? I mean, it's, you know, but again, the power of Dion fellas, as we kind of shift gears here, um, we said last week that again, they're the school brass looks like geniuses bringing them in. And here we are, you know, they're two and O and Fox changing their pregame kickoff show to champagne to see Penn state, Illinois, staying out in Boulder, even though that's an ESPN game that night, they'll be promoting.
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild. I thought that was intriguing, but then I looked at the ratings and the actual Colorado Nebraska game had more viewers than Texas Alabama. Yeah, think about that. I mean, these are two blue bloods. That's how Deion Sanders moving the needle prime time. He's moved the needle and he's made it fun to to watch with he's him coaching. You want to see what's going to happen? And I know. And they're good. They're a good team I and mean, they're fun. They, they do some great things. His, his son's a great quarterback. So yeah, I, I think that it makes sense. But this is you want as a TV. What do they want? They want viewers. Dion brings viewers.
2: Yeah, it, it's hard to try to dispute what Dion brings with his personality and his Q rating, and you know the the famous uh, reputation that he's built over twenty five years, thirty years. I also think before we make him the greatest coach in the history of college football, let's wait <laughs> for more than two games into the, his first season yeah. at a power five school.
1: Yeah, yeah and Mike, I would say I, I'm not. I think it's more about the fact that people want to watch. I mean, before, I mean, that's, I don't know if it's about his, I don't know if he's a great coach or not. I think he does fine, but I think it's, he's interesting. Yeah. So I think that's the key. Yeah, he is.
0: Uh, here's what I love is that um, his son is going to steal the spotlight from him. Um, Dion, the cleague lights. He makes sure they're on him first. Uh, Shadour Sanders saying, no, no dad, my turn. Uh, I recall when he was a freshman at Jackson at uh, at Jackson state, um and Dion they they asked the kid the question during media day and Dion took the question I mean he answered himself get out of your kid's way well Senator Sanders is his own man um and the question for you who is um is Heisman race is it a two way race Sanders and last year's winner Caleb Williams and is the Hunter kid Travis Hunter of Colorado is he is he a, a third man right now three man race at the moment.
1: Yeah, intriguing. I, I don't think anybody's beating Caleb Williams. Um, but I, I do think those are both intriguing names in this Heisman race. We'll have to see what what plays out. Uh, you know, somebody else could have a you know big run here too. But I think winning is gonna be a key. If Colorado wins a lot, 10 and 2 to 12 and 0, or something like that. They're right there in the hunt.
2: Well, and I, I think the you know, both both Sanders and Hunter will have an opportunity to win some big awards. Colorado has six ranked teams left on their schedule. If they can go through that, even four and two, that will be pretty darn impressive.
0: The one thing with Caleb Williams is the Tim Tebow effect. It's so hard to win back to back because you're comparing, you know, the media is going to compare you against yourself from last year. And if you don't have better stats, right. If you don't do, and you know, not to get into it again, but Tebow, a lot of the numbers were manufactured as a sophomore that weren't manufactured as a junior because urban meyer had a better team so but um but it's fun to talk about it colorado and the heisman conversation colorado as a destination for the media that hasn't happened in in a really long time i mean look even locally the the local tv people were wearing black and gold on friday not broncos orange and blue on opening weekend with sean payton as your first first year first game as a head coach right (laughs) so i mean you know the, the Dion, listen He's taking the spotlight from a lot of people right now, and uh, and even from the moment, from USC. But again, we will uh, we'll watch. Okay, more to come. Stay with us. Go
1: Raiders, by the way.
4: How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest call rate genius now 800-425-1161 800-425-1161 800-425-1161 that's 800-425-1161 not all applicants qualify for a longer rate savings Actual offer terms, including APR, determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan
2: term, and other factors.
4: How would you like to get high-speed internet for your home for less than two dollars a day? That's right. For about fifty bucks a month, you'll get lightning-fast internet. Are you paying less than fifty bucks a month right now for your internet? Then call Whole Home Connect right now for blazing-fast internet at fifty bucks a month with no price increases, no hidden fees, no contracts, no upfront costs. no no equipment fees. It's a great deal. And guess what? You can try it for 15 days. If you don't like it, you get your money back. But you're gonna love it. And you're gonna love the price. Internet for your home for 50 bucks a month. That's less than 2 bucks a day. Plus, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees, and our 15-day guarantee. Call now. 800-215-0341 800-215-0341 800 215 1-5-0-3-4-1. That's 800 341 You're listening to the
3: Longhorn Guys Radio Network.
0: Well, again, the buzz still continuing. Uh, and look, this buzz is going to go on for a while, right? I mean, you know, uh, you, you go in Alabama, you get the win. Should have gotten the win last year, but we're not going to talk about that. We are going to talk to Roger Wallace. Of KXAN, also Longhorn Radio. He's an analyst. Uh, been in town for a long time, Roger. Uh, you were there in the house. Uh, we all watched and uh, were cheering at home. What was the What was that moment like to see this this team not just play well, but I think play consistently well and answer the call in the second half? You know, it's you. We've seen so many teams play an Alabama team. They find ways to win in the fourth quarter, right? Um, but this time, it was the Longhorns that got it done.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me. That You know, Stark's first year, they couldn't hold leads. Uh, And then last year, they had trouble finishing in big games, Uh, had a chance to to beat TCU to get to the Big 12 title game, had a chance to beat Oklahoma State to get uh, in position as well. Uh, But you're right. Not only uh, did they win in Alabama, but the way they did it led most of the game. Alabama finally takes the lead late in the third, and they answer with uh, three plays, uh, touchdown, interception, touchdown. Uh, And then go on to, you know, answer again to keep that double figure lead. So pretty incredible day. Longhorn fans have been waiting for this game. I think they were just thinking this is going to be a really cool place to go. Back when they set the schedule, they didn't know this might be a conference game someday. And and they were hoping, uh, obviously, that they could hang with them and maybe pull off the upset. But uh, I think it worked out better than anyone imagined from a Texas perspective.
1: So I look at Texas and obviously you don't want to jump ahead, but it's pretty clear that was the toughest game on their schedule and they handled it pretty easily. And, you know, you never want to say this, but they got to feel really good about where they're at in the national, you know, uh, you know, hierarchy here.
5: Yeah. You know, these fans have got some scar tissue Uh, since 2010. uh, They haven't won uh, more than 10 games. They've only won 10 games. Once that was the uh, year they beat George in the sugar bowl after Losing to Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. So everybody's kind of uh, uh foot half in uh the Kool-Aid and uh also just reluctant. It's it's amazing. You know, Mac Brown had that stretch where they thought they're gonna figure out a way to win. And and now, uh, because of what's happened, yeah, you're right. They're probably gonna be fair. If you look now, they're favorite in every game, I would imagine. So to your point. But as this fan base has uh, been down this road before a few times, maybe not to the magnitude of this kind of win uh, heading into conference before. They got Wyoming. That's a pretty good team on Saturday.
2: You know, Quinn Ewers has been a little bit under pressure with uh, Arch Manning, you know, there the specter of him. Um, did Quinn pretty much slay the dragon with such a inspiring victory, especially on Alabama's home stadium?
5: Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any doubt, uh, you know, and he came out in that opener against Rice and struggled a little bit and then settled in in the second half. And they scored on their first three possessions. And uh, while well, they did move the ball in the first half, just one touchdown. But then uh, Sark talked about the thing he liked the most was you were struggle a little bit in their last drive before the half. Then Bama scores. But then they answer the bell again in the second half. Uh, the Manning thing. Uh, you know, there's another guy here, Malik Murphy, who came out and and took snaps against Rice. It wasn't Manning. And, and I don't think that was just window dressing. I think this guy's uh, a legitimate talent. Uh, and I think Manning is is fine with what he's doing right now. But you're right, because of the name and because of the hype uh, surrounding it, that's always going to follow, which is funny because, you know, a couple of years ago, Ewers was that was that name.
0: Talking with Roger Wallace, again, uh, KXAN-TV, also Longhorn Radio Analyst. You hear him uh, on the on the radio cast uh, all the time. You, you know, you bring up a question. Boy, it is way too early, and I'm only going to throw it out there because somebody is asking. Um, Arch Manning, it appears, if things go the way they are, takes a redshirt year this year, right? Why birdie year? I mean, you know, uh, not that he's going to stay four years. Um, do you see a chance because he's, you know, where possibly Ewer sticks around and he decides to, to leave and go elsewhere? Or is, do you feel like at this moment, again, we're two weeks in, um, he's committed to staying in Austin?
5: Well, I'll, I'll go down two roads. One road, I think, is the road that uh, the perfect situation for Texas, and that's yours continues to progress. He's already uh, projected as a as a draft pick. If that happens, then, uh, you know, Arch Manning, and I, I keep having to throw in Malik Murphy uh, just because he's a big, talented guy. Uh, he was a five star in his own right out of California, but he was injured. But to your point, that would be the route I think would be optimal is Ewers moves on because he had a really good year. And then Arch Manning uh, has that chance to be the starting quarterback. But I I don't think there's any question. If Quinn Ewers is a starter next year, something something didn't go quite as well as it was supposed to. And in this day and age, you're just not being realistic if you think guys are going to stick around a little bit longer uh, to wait their turn. So I, I Larry, I agree with you. There is a scenario where if yours is back, you have to entertain the option that, that maybe guys look to move on because it happens at every program.
1: Right. Yeah, what so where is this Texas program? I mean are they a little bit ahead of schedule right now? I mean with this obviously winning at Alabama and Alabama's is the big name, right? I mean one of the biggest names in college football history, but and they got the goat you know Nick Saban on the sideline is the texas program can we say texas is is back or do they have to do more
5: more scar tissue with those comments of course (laughs) first first you had sam ellinger say it after they beat georgia and then uh before that the joe tessitore line after they beat uh notre dame on that sunday night to open the season uh in overtime so again more words that That around here people duck under chairs when they when they hear (laughs) that but I think Sark's right where he wants to be because I think he has uh what he says is the the football team that he wants to have when you look at it and that's really big dudes up on the line offensive and defensive line uh athletic guys and then they've got a bunch of great uh skill players um both that have come in and then a guy like Jordan Whittington and a guy like uh Uh, Xavier worthy. He flipped and and came to Texas with Sark, but Whittington's a guy that's hung around. He kind of does all the dirty work, uh, in the middle of the field and gets bounced around. But yeah, I think, I think this is probably on schedule. Uh, I think third year, uh, most of the team he brought in, he's made some really good moves in the portal. You have to do it, but you have to hit on him in a place like this. And they did it. When you look at AD Mitchell, Uh, Gavin Holmes is a starting quarter. Jalen Catalan was their leading tackler. Ryan Sanborn, an outstanding punter, really was one of the unsung heroes the other night, uh, the way he flipped the field a couple of times for Texas. So I think this is probably, uh, yeah, sure. Last year, I think they thought they had the roster and the team to play for the Big 12 title. But I think they think this is probably where they expected to be in year three.
2: I know it's basically, you know, really picking, you know, going splitting hairs here. but. Bijan Robinson is a heck of a player to try to to try to replace. How does how do you think Sark feels about that rushing attack that that is trying to figure out if they can maybe replace him by committee?
5: Yeah good not great I think is how he feels right now. Now I think we've seen in two games what this offense is going to be. It's going to be based around uh, yours and all those weapons but uh, Jonathan Brooks is a guy that's that's done th- some things in his first two years behind Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, but has never been the guy. CJ Baxter is a freshman from Florida. He's been a little nicked up. He actually took the first snaps in both games, uh, and they've got two other guys: Keelan Robinson, who played with Sark at uh, at Alabama, and he's he's kind of that X factor. He'll he'll slip out. He'll catch a ball. Give you a little more uh, wiggle. But yeah, they don't have the guy that's going to carry it 30 times for sure now they like to do better they rushed for 100 plus yards against Alabama but most of it was on that last drive when they held it for you know the last seven minutes of the ball game but you know what Sark says about running he says not about balance it's about running when you know you're going to run it and they know you're going to run it and they finally were able to accomplish that at a pretty important time in that fourth quarter
0: Getting some thoughts here from Roger Wallace, KXAN-TV and Longhorn radio analyst as well, and we certainly appreciate his time. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, as we, you mentioned again, this is the last year in the Big 12, headed to the SEC next year. Um, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, the two teams that kind of started us down this path, right? I mean, USC and UCLA was a big a big hit as well. Um, talk about the 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 comment made earlier a few weeks ago by the Big 12 commissioner, Ah, uh, Brett Yomark. now, given let's be fair, he was said it in Lubbock, and he was speaking to a Texas Tech audience that he's gonna be rooting against Texas when they when they come in. Your thoughts on that and kind of what's been the perspective? Um, to me, it just adds feel to it, right? I mean, not that you're, it's already a rivalry. And now you're like, we really better go get these guys right?
5: yeah, I, I think he got caught up in it to your point, Larry, because you never hear a commissioner publicly say they're cheering for one team over another in their own conference. And now, let's be honest. Texas is in a position now, if they keep rolling, they could make the conference a whole lot of money uh, if down the road they were able to somehow get into that playoff. And that's way, way down the road. But uh, yeah, that was just an odd thing to say. Uh, Got caught up in a little bit. Probably would have liked a a mulligan on that one because there's a chance he'll be in Arlington and he might have to hand them a trophy. And (laughs) can you imagine the Texas fans at AT AT&T Stadium? Uh, I know commissioners are used to getting booed, but that one might be that might be an all-timer if that happens. So, uh, yeah, it was just an odd thing. And I know he walked it back saying, uh, you know, he was joking around, but uh, I don't think he was.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either. But (laughs) you have to save some face somehow. Right. But, you know,
5: the funny thing is what commissioner has been praised more in this realignment, I think, than what he did when Texas and Oklahoma decided to leave and the big 12 was dead and you're deciding who's going to the big 10 and who's going to the pac 12 and he's the guy that's getting the most praise. So, you know, when he goes and hits his, his head on the pillow at night, he could be saying, man, they just made my career as far as being a conference commissioner.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, they've done a good job, right. Of getting these, no doubt, keeping the big 12 alive despite losing their, their big,
5: got a new media deal. They're solid. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, and Texas can't pl- com, you know, claim that they've been the the big men on the block. They haven't won a Big 12 title since 2009. Now the brand and the the TV ratings, we saw it with Alabama, certainly OU has done the job winning championships. But yeah, I mean, Big 12 is going to be really interesting move, moving forward uh, with the new constructed league.
0: Well, and you've added really quick guys, uh, not only that, but some major TV markets. I mean, now you've got Orlando, you've got Phoenix, you've got Salt Lake. I mean, you added some some
5: big time markets. You got Coach Prime. And you got Coach Prime. <laughs> and he gets I mean, the ratings. You know, I think Texas is happy Coach Prime's doing what he's doing cuz he's he's shifting a little bit of the focus uh nationally off the Longhorns cuz they're just fine playing under the radar. I know, you know, big school, big money, big ego, but uh I think they're fine uh being a little bit more under the radar than if Colorado was not doing what they're doing. Let me get one
0: more in here. You know, while we're talking about expansion, um, you know, it's funny. Other than Texas, Oklahoma, all the changes we've seen, Big 12, um, Big 10, obviously the Pac-12 basically going away, um, ACC made a move, although we think there's still more to come. I think when you look at the numbers, um, is it interesting that, do you find it interesting that the SEC, there was not a lot of, a lot of conversation? about more teams coming in, even as the Big Ten went to 18 teams. Um, the SEC seem, seems ready to stay pat at 16 for
5: now. Yeah, I, I think of that line in Hoosiers, you know, my team's on the floor. I think Greg Sankey and the guys are going, our conference is is right here, and they feel pretty good. I, I, I guess the logical thing would be if they went after a Florida State and Clemson combination, clearly they're not happy with what's going on with the ACC, uh, but I think they're pretty happy with the footprint they have uh, you know, they're bringing media days to to Dallas uh, next year. Uh, you know, that's going to irritate the Aggies, even though it's in their home state. But they never got that treatment uh, when they came. But I think they're pretty, pretty happy with the brands uh, that they have. Now, you know, the next thing is the, the old uh, contraction uh, talk about, OK, if they can bring in some, do they ask some other schools politely uh, that maybe you need another home? Because we don't want so many schools that it waters down our, uh, our TV pie a little bit, but I think that's a bit down the road.
0: Well, you know, it's funny that uh, we spoke with Trev Alberts, the Nebraska athletic director, and he mentioned the same thing um, over on big sports radio. And he was saying that, you know, look down, not now. He thinks that the disruption is really just beginning. I mean, we're just beginning to see it. And he mentioned that we may have a situation in the next round of TV contracts where some schools are in effect voted off the Island. Um, And so just as we talk about it here in the media, it's being discussed in the, the front offices as well,
5: yeah, it's uh I wouldn't want to be in in some of the positions of of schools that uh you know they've been in their conference for a long time, but for lack of a better term maybe aren't holding up uh their end of the bargain and then some brands like Texas where they can get away with not being great because of the following but because I mean, I don't know if you guys saw that stadium at Bryant Denny it it was pretty inc- incredible. I'm sure the Bamba fans weren't happy that there were several thousand Texas fans uh, there. And that's what they do. They circle the big ones. It's not always the reputation here in Austin that they have the greatest home field. It's getting better. They've closed in the stadium more, so it's louder. But they travel. And uh, so to your point about, you know, that's a that's a valuable program for a lot of reasons, even if they're not a, consistently in the top 10. But it looks like Sark kind of has the formula to to get them relevant again consistently.
0: I was at the Rose Bowl back in 06 and the last title with Vince Young beating USC and denying the Trojans from, a, with you know, from getting a third straight title. And there were longhorns everywhere, baby. I mean, it was yeah. a beautiful thing to see. Uh, hey, Roger, we appreciate your time and hopefully get a chance to talk with you again here later on. It's going to be a fun season and uh, we look forward to getting uh, your insights again.
5: Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Thanks so much. Roger Wallace, once again, KXAN-TV, also part of the Longhorn Radio Network as an analyst. And uh, great to have his thoughts. Um, A guy who was right there at Bryant-Denny to watch it all happen. Hook up horns, baby. Stay with us. Much more to come. after this.
3: Life can be
4: full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828.
0: They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. here to wrap things up let's take a look at uh, some of the bigger games on Saturday Brad
1: who do you got Tennessee Florida Tennessee at Florida this is an intriguing game when you when you think about this because Florida although they looked um, you know they looked really bad against Utah and Tennessee, though, although they keep winning, have really kind of slid in the rankings. I mean, they're still they're lower than they started the season, even though two and zero and they won handily. So it's interesting. I, I think that this obviously it's a road game for Tennessee. Florida is a team that has talent. We know they're still Billy is still filling, th- figuring things out. Josh will seems to have it rolling in Tennessee, but for some reason it's this you know a six and a half point spread. Um, I, I Tennessee has not really. Been great in the passing game yet? Um, they can obviously run the ball, they're you know, one of the best teams in the country running football. So, I think this is up to Florida. Florida can slow down that running game, they have a chance to win this at home and kind of right the ship. I'm heading into what is probably the most difficult closing schedule of anybody in the country, but I I still like Tennessee. I just think it'll be uh, a close game down to the wire,
2: yeah. And I've got Colorado State visiting Colorado. What a what a dynamo Deion Sanders has done uh, in terms of a coaching job in the first two weeks has proven that you can literally turn a roster upside down, shake out any parts that are loose, like Legos, and then turn it over, get some more pieces and go out and win a couple games, including beating a team that was in the national championship last year. I do think that Colorado State is outmanned, and Shadur Sanders, he may have another 500-yard game. You know, we could be looking at at potentially, I don't know if he can make it to 1,500 yards in three games with his arm, but boy, is it going to be exciting. And then you also want to see what Travis Hunter is going to do, because can he maintain playing as many downs as he is in the thin air, uh, of, of Colorado, you know, for a second game. I I just, I just think this is going to be exciting to, to watch. And, and the rest of the country seems to agree as nobody would have predicted, I don't care who you are, that Colorado was going to outdraw Alabama and Texas in terms of viewing eyes across this country.
0: It's still, one of the craziest stats of the week, isn't it? I mean, of this early season, <clears throat> I'm with you. I mean, when you talk Tennessee, Alabama, that's the game, and uh, but it goes to show you again the power of Dion, and again the shrewdness and the now genius of the Colorado uh, <laughs> upper brass in the school and the athletic department to bring in Dion Sanders. And like you said, I'm I'm happy you mentioned Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter because while while the eyeballs, while Dion is bringing the eyeballs. The Klieg lights should be on those guys as uh serious Heisman front runners. If you can be as such here in the early season and to do it without any hype last season is huge. You have to have a setup here to win the Heisman or to be in that, have that kind of conversation. And that did not happen for these two. And yet here they are. So I think it's great and uh, it's good for college football. Uh, why not? You know, um, Dion's going to lose. He's not going to go 12 and Um, but I'm with you. I'm the one who, I raise my hand and say, I did not think he would be a huge success at Jackson state. And I'd be stunned if they win three games this season and they could win three games this month. So tell yeah. you what I, like. uh, number one, Georgia, uh, getting into sec play, the bulldogs taking on South Carolina, huge favorite here, 28 point favorite for UGA. They're at home at Sanford stadium in Athens. Uh, by the way, back on CBS, the last year of that three thirty time slot, uh, going to the SEC, we saw some Big Ten teams there as they begin to dabble in that as they take over that time slot in 2024. Uh, but why not have the, the two-time defending champs uh, right there uh, waiting for you for Game 1 for CBS uh, our friend David Moulton, um, you know, he'll he's uh, working that game there with Gary Danielson, his uh, spotter. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler, the star quarterback for, for South Carolina, um, offensive player of the week last week, 25 of 27, 345, three passing touchdowns, and a touchdown run against Furman. I remember, last year against uh, UGA, only 13 to 25, for 118 yards, had a couple of picks as well, so a little bit different. Um, but again, Georgia, not going to look too deep into this, they're going to go out and do. Um, what they have to do uh, to get the win here because um, there are some much tougher games. I don't see South Carolina winning this game. I just don't see any way possible unless just something uh, crazy happens. Look for Georgia to get the big win as we expect. So, hey, that does it for now. Busy, busy show yet again. We hope you enjoy the games. We hope you've enjoyed the time together because guess what? We get to do it again, same time, same place, same station next week. For Brad and Mike and everyone uh, here a part of the crew, I'm Larry. Enjoy. We'll see you next week.
4: The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions
1: and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of the Longhorn Guys Sports Spectacle.